Support for Oyster World Radio comes from you, our listeners. If you would like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind-the-scenes coverage of how these random interviews materialize, plus some travel tips. So don't miss out and support the show today. More support means meeting more people that you would normally never meet, less travel headaches while you're on the road, and you get to learn the ins and outs of everywhere I go. Become a Patreon and an expert traveler at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we bring on Ante Zivkovic. Most of the world has no idea what happened to the former Yugoslavia during the early 90s, but it changed everything for Ante. His home was under siege as neighbors turned against neighbors in a bloody fight that forever changed this small town along the Danube River. It really is quite amazing what a simple idea can do, and an idea can be the difference between peace and war. Today we hear the perspective of someone that lived through the ugly side of propaganda, and he adds a few tips on how we can arm ourselves in this ever-evolving age of information. So with that, coming from Zagreb, Croatia, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ante Zivkovic. Well, Ante, welcome to Oyster World Radio. Wow, we're really thank excited. You. We're very excited to have you. Yeah, well, I'm excited. This is my this is my first podcast. So. This is your first podcast. Yeah, ever? I've never been on a podcast before. Oh my goodness! So your debut. Yeah, we, this is the second time that we've met each other. The yeah, first that's time true. was in, in Portugal. Yeah, where took a video of you. Actually, if you really? don't remember. <laughs> Where, where did you show the video, man? I just put it on Instagram and said, really? a Croatian guy in a tent. Any questions? Come on. <laughs> You're shitting me. No, I'm You're not. You're shitting me. I'm not. Where, it's where's your there. Instagram? And that was come you. On. Come on. Where's your Instagram? It's Nathan.Wanders. <laughs> it's true. I put it in there, and now I get to have you on the show so that everyone in the world now gets to meet you, which is exciting. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, okay. So that was a good introduction to okay, who you are. I, I guess, anyway. guess I'm I'm charming in that video. I don't know. I, <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say charming. I wouldn't right want to watch that all day. You know, I guess. <laughs> just saying. Just a couple times. Well, the good news is, is that we were able to meet again. Yeah, that's and true. Tentless and in your natural habitat. Yeah, which is quite, yeah. quite which nice. is comics and and figurines. Yeah, <laughs> like for a forty-three year old guy, it's pretty sad. <laughs> no, I disagree. No, I know. Never I know. too old for comics. I know, I know. It's it's great. I I love my uh, room and I love my life and everything is pretty nifty now. Which is good. So tell me yeah. a little bit. I didn't know much about Croatia before I came. To yeah. be honest, we we never learn much about this part of the world. Why would you? I mean, we are here for merely twenty five years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Brand new country. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about it. What is what's your favorite parts about Croatia? Favorite parts? I'm not wandering around Croatia that much, you know. But uh, I did my share of 
of coast and sun and sea and splashy and you know enjoying life on, on the seaside well croatia is pretty pretty nifty country because it combines everything that you can think of in a pretty small space so you have either seaside or the mountains or you know the the valleys and forests and if you don't like it you can really connect really fast to austria or switzerland or italy or france or hungary or if you want you can go to serbia i don't know uh or bosnia so it's pretty nice place to be because you are near to pretty much everything else because it's the center of the europe and say. nature the nature here is phenomenal i don't know about the nature i love it here. i, I, I love ab- the nature i abhor the nature yeah that's I right abhor. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just like to listen to myself saying i abhor the nature uh, because my my how did you learn that word <laughs> well i watch television man yeah, it's okay. pretty nice it learns uh, you a lot you know i know that you can deduce everything you know if you put your mind to it like from sherlock yeah i abhor the nature in terms of let's stay in nature you know i can make myself go hiking or uh, going to the woods or something like that and everything is okay until i get to the place that i'm going to and it's like okay now i'm in the middle of the woods so what now man (laughs) well we'll just take this you know towel or blankie that we took and we'll just put it on the meadow and we'll just sit okay let's try that you know so we are sitting now and then this you know the ticking starts so all these little insects and flies or grasshoppers or everything they're just flying on me you know and getting into my eyes like the small small flies you know in the sunset you're not a and, camping guy no no, no, no. it's you're just not, like c- is, come on the, the nature is trying to to smother me you know it's like, <laughs> oh. but you know i like i like to exaggerate my extreme opinions okay so nature not not the top thing yeah so, that, so check you, you grew up in vukovar yeah which is in the east, northeastern part of Croatia, if you think, well, of, well, yeah, yeah, I guess North if you think Asia, about the yeah. whole coast as, yeah, 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 as part of it, the southern part, yeah, and so not a lot of camping and outdoor stuff for you during your childhood either. Oh well, my parents didn't like to camp, and my cousins liked to camp, and I was like, maybe I would like to camp, but really not because I don't know. So what'd you do? What'd you do instead as a kid? What I did in a... Well, I I ran around the the place a lot, you know. There was a lot of parky stuff and and meadowy stuff and maybe some naturey stuff. Uh, I like to put the Y. This is my trend that I'm starting now. So, well, basically where I grew up was the place on the on the banks of river Danube, which is the border between Croatia and Serbia now. And because the because of the river, the city that developed there was a really prosperous one because during the Austro-Hungarian Empire and in former Kingdom of Yugoslavia or Yugoslavia, whatever, 
there was this port on the on, in the in the city which, which was the center of the trade well, without giving us too much of a history lesson like yeah. let's zoom in on, on who you I are know. You okay know? okay but like, just, just to give you a, a picture there was a factory of footwear there mm-hmm. and because of the factory the guy made a whole city you know for the workers there were like small red houses with four families in each house everyone had one corner of the house and the flats were two stories high so it was really cozy and between the houses there were a lot of greenery and uh, trees and everything was like a semi like you had a city inside of a forest gotcha that, okay that 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 is how it looked for a small child growing up there so because it was a pretty quiet town there was not many cars at that time and you can run around throughout the whole whole city well city the town and enjoy yourself so i had to go to school after school i would go to my grandma's and i would play with my friends there between the you know the trees and i was enjoying myself why did you stay at your grandma's so much was it because your parents were working Uh, a lot my parents were working well at that time the work day lasted from like 7 a.m till 3 p.m okay so my my school uh, lasted until i don't know 11 or the noon and from noon till i don't know three o'clock i had to be somewhere i could be at my place alone or i could go to my grandma's and spend time with my friends you know so usually i went to my grandma's and played with my friends yeah until the afternoon and then I went home and I guess I did the homework. I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) How was it growing up with your parents? Well, it was nice. My parents are great, so I I didn't have any complaints. I I guess I made them a lot of uh, headaches because I didn't like to learn didn't like to do the homework. Uh, I I was a bit of a stubborn child, so they had a bit of trouble. Uh, raising me and parenting me but okay i wasn't like a uh wendell or you know uh, doing you were just a normal things. kid trying to figure out what the hell was going on well yeah i think so well everyone does that i think you know? everyone does that so it seems like you had a pretty wonderful childhood it seems normal you didn't yeah like to learn it was so wonderful much. it was You're wonderful, running around man, in the woods I... of your small town and your parents worked and you yeah, went to school yeah, yeah that's true so this is where it starts to get get interesting and a lot of people i don't think well, know yeah what but happens. you know well the yeah. war with serbia and the yugoslavian kingdom yeah well the the thing is when you're a kid you usually just focus on the kid stuff so you just play around and you know do your stuff uh hopefully you will not have any idea of things going around you but then again since we, I was brought up in socialist Yugoslavia, and since it was social socialist economy, it wasn't really that good, you know. But I guess by the mid-80s, the economy overall wasn't that good, you know, globally. But still, in Yugoslavia, it was pretty good, and the rest of the country lived pretty nice. But... As a kid, I remember that my father didn't get the payments, you know, in, in cash, but in like coupons that you can j- then change for 
goods and services in the stores that were owned by the uh, factory. Mm. So it was pretty bad in terms of, you know, getting paid for your work. And the crisis of economy in, in the place that I lived then just uh, translated into a global crisis within the country, which then, for some reason, it exploded and just fell apart in a kind of a war. I mean, it was a war. It's not a kind of a war. But, you know, all of things that happened could have, have happened pretty peacefully. There was no reason for, for it to go that violent and that stupid. Because, okay, the Yugoslavia was a federation of republics because of the crisis of economy and everything. The republics that didn't want to be a part of federation just could have left the federation you know, without any problems like Slovakia and Czechoslovakia did in the beginning of the 90s. Uh, but no, because of the history and problems that were laying inside the country that I was living in. Someone used it to instigate a war which was motivated by, by the anger and hostilities between two greatest nations in the, in the country, Croats and Serbs, and motivated Serbs to get and take arms and start, you know, doing violent things in the country that I live in. It lasted like from 91 to till 98, so seven years in total. But then again, it just spilled over to Bosnia and then lasted for, I don't know how many years there, and then to Kosovo and then, you know, throughout the region. So it's really sad and Yeah, and you think surprising, it was you know? political pressure and dynamics and... Yeah, but, you know, I told you about dynamics. it, the whole history about it. And basically, it's just like someone said, you know, you should now use the propaganda and fear-mongering and do this shit for like 10 years and destroy everything in the process. So I don't know how much of that fear-mongering and the process is coordinated on all levels throughout the country. From my perspective, Slovenians and Croats just wanted to live, you know, separate from the Yugoslavia. And Serbs just tried to hold us in. And they tried to hold us in by using the Yugoslav army, which was the army of all six nations within the Yugoslavia. And they just utilized that army to, to gain some, I don't know, to gain a name, achieve a name of taking territory from Croatia and just taking it and putting it back to Yugoslavia or just, you know, conquering whole Croatia and taking it and living in Yugoslavia. So it was pretty bloody and, I don't know. It was a mess. Messy, was a mess. messy thing, yeah. And of course, the strategic point of entry into Croatia was your town. Yeah, Vukovar was like a place on a map which unfortunately lay on the border with Serbia. And since it lay on the border which was formed by the river, it was pretty easy way to go from Serbia to, to Croatia through Vukovar at that point. 
the main point being if you subjugate the Vukovar and make it peaceful and a place of crossing, then everything would be easy in the heads of the great strategic minds of, of uh, Yugoslav army. Of course, and you uh, lived there. Yeah. So can you, t- if you tell us what you remember from that time, can you remember any stories or hearing the news and well, what did your family do? You know, what I, happened? Well, what happened? Thing is, you live your life, you know, and everything is really nice and peaceful. And then you start seeing or or hearing the attitudes change in people, you know. So when Serbia tra- started doing shit in Yugoslavia, it started by making people in Kosovo fear Albanians. So Serbians that are living in Kosovo are a minority in Kosovo. And in order to subjugate the autonomy of Kosovo at that time, Serbia started promoting Albanians as like an evil nation that is killing Serbians and Kosovo and Serbians have to take care and take refuge to the Serbian government to protect them from angry and mob of Albanians that live there, you know. So, but this propaganda just spread throughout the Yugoslavia in a way that was, for me, a bit weird because you started hearing that you shouldn't buy ice cream from Albanians because they put some poison in it or, you know, they will make you sick with their ice cream, you know. But it's just propaganda coming from Serbia, from, you know, around, from media, you know. And people are starting talking shit about different people, you know, and it's like, okay, but I buy ice cream there every day, so what, I'm what's still here. changed, you know, yeah. what the fuck? So it started slowly, and then, then it just, as every propaganda, it just, you know, it, it increases in intensity with time and changes the focus, and the basis of it is to make make you feel like in in a kind of atmosphere of fear, that you're really not secure in your existence or what will your children be and where, how, you know. I remember as a kid there was this huge case of a missing kid and it got like a really large media coverage for a pretty local affair. So everyone in the town was, you know, like when you watch a TV show and a kid is missing and everyone is like in a psychosis and what's happening and who's the murderer and who, who is, you know, who kidnapped that child. And when you think about it, that stuff never happens, really. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a figment of, I don't know, writer's imagination or it's something that happens like a, like a long time ago in some village, you know, you don't know about. But this was like, it's happening, man. This kid was missing and mm-hmm. everyone was searching for it and you couldn't find it. And, you know, the fortune tellers were coming and, you know, and seeing where it is, you know. And then the things started going around. Like, these people are took him, these people took him, you know, the Albanians. Gotcha. You know. So, so it's like... A, pro- so it's like falling a, on the propaganda Yeah, it's like a psychosis, you know. So I don't know what really happened to the guy. I mean, maybe he's alive and well. Maybe he's just, you know, like uh, utilized to to do this propaganda f- shit. But it, it was at that time and it didn't help, really. So you could feel this boiling yeah, all yeah, around you. A bit, you know, for a while. 
And then you start to talk about it with your friends in the in the school, and they're like, "Yeah, they're like animals. We should do this or that." And you're like, "Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see that." You know, so it's really seeping in your life as a 14-year-old or 13-year-old, and it's it was pretty interesting times, and but it was pretty you know weird times. And then uh, it was boiling to the point where you saw that Yugoslav army was mobilized and there was this war in Slovenia and everything was just getting more and more crazy. And at one point, you're just standing on the window of your building, seeing the army going to the village next to your town, you know, and then you hear gunshots and then you hear the news that Croat policemen were killed in a field, you know, and then, okay, shit hit the fan, man. And then and you you heard those shots. Yeah, you heard that. You see, you saw it from the window. You know the field where they they died. The, that's the field where you played for a long time. You know, as a kid. You know, so so what they, was going on through your head in that moment? I don't know. I don't really remember. You know, I I wasn't like paralyzed from fear. It was just like a kid watching a movie through the window, basically. And stuff then just rolled on. You know, you go to your a grandfather and grandmother in Vukovar and then you sleep there and you are woken up by the rockets going across the river to the city you know and hear the explosions and everything is just like what the fuck man is this and you remember the Iraqi war you know or maybe it is it was after but it's it's around that that yeah it's around that, that time. period time and it's like you know what are you are, is this Iraq what is happening you know it's it's pretty it's pretty unusual, but I, I do remember that I didn't panic. I didn't, like, lose my head or, you know, cry or, I don't know, whatever. Um, but it was a messed up time. The thing is, uh, because of all that, uh, my parents just took the care for us. They, uh, they took me and my brother and they sent us to our cousins to split, which is the southern part of the Croatia. Did you, was it okay to get out? I mean, well, we could get out into there. the town. We could get out, you know, because, you know, they still let us out. Because at that point, I think they thought that we wouldn't resist. But we resisted, yeah. What you have to... And these are your neighbors and friends yeah. and... Yeah, it's like Parents, you know, it's, and... it's you have a you have a foreign enemy, but you have domestic enemy, you know, who was utilized through fear and propaganda, and motivated to become your enemy, because in a way, it's a thing that you can you can make people do whatever you like, you know, you can make them do whatever you like, and they will rationalize it in their head. Why did they do it? They would never do it if 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 you told them, okay, here's a gun, kill your neighbor, you know, and they would never do it. But if you if you talk shit about your neighbors and if you make an atmosphere of fear and if you make them afraid for their existence and if you talk about history of your nation and their nation and if you make it in some kind of you know a huge constellation of historic forces and ever blah 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 then people have all the elements to act how you want them to act and to utilize the elements that you gave them to rationalize what they are doing. 
Yeah. They put the pieces together. Yeah. You give them all the puzzle pieces so they can make their own story. Yeah. Because either way, they will, you know, it's easier to do what you want them to do than to resist. You know, because if you come into a place and say, okay, these are the guns, now you will go and watch stand guard in front of your village because the Croats are coming to kill you, then it's easier to do what you're told than to say, no, but there's nothing here to do. Because if you are the only one saying that, you know, in the center of the village, you're a dick at, at like at the least and you will be killed at the most you know so it's always easy under pressure to to break down and do what other tells you to do yeah and then you go home and then you just rationalize because you don't want to see yourself as a wimp or a weak man so you just rationalize and make the explanation why you did it and to clarify is it are are you talking about the people that were resisting or who are we talking about no, that's I'm following just, no i'm orders? just saying that that the the guys in slobodan milosevic in serbia just utilized this propaganda to make serbs and croatia fear for their existence yeah. by by waking up all these fears and history of serbs uh, doing great things but always failing because other i don't know because of someone else you know someone else yeah. is at fault and Another we are the greatest we are the greatest and... nation but everyone is just killing us you know and like so we have no to... one will kill you because i will protect you so here's the guns that i will give you and provide you and you protect yourself and you know you have to protect yourself because these guys are coming to kill you know and it's it's stupid you know but it worked so uh, at one point in time, I was going to middle school then. Well, and you had to go, you know, you, you had to leave your home and everything yeah. that you knew, everything yeah. that you love, everyone, everyone that was in your family. Yeah. there, And you just had to go. Yeah, I left because uh, at that time, I really didn't know what was going on, really. And there's rockets coming into yeah, your town. Yeah, yeah, you know? I know, but it's like, you know, you, you don't have the scope, you know, at that time because... Something is happening, but you really don't know how awful it will be because it's just, you know, you've seen it in movies, so you see it like this and, okay, it's frightening and you're sitting in the dark listening to all this shit, you know, but still, you're a kid and you don't know and no one knows, actually. So the best the parent can do is to take you and put you somewhere safe and, you know, return and do stuff that they think they should do. So that's what I did, take us and put us in a safe place. Well, the thing is, the Vukovar is on the river and the army is at eastern side. And all around Vukovar are the, are the villages where the Serbs are not, a, yeah, where they are major population. So, and all these villages around Vukovar just blocked all the, all the roads that were coming to Vukovar from the west. So they are holding the western front and the army is holding the eastern front. And from the east, the army is coming forward with tanks and, you know, artillery everything. and everything, you know. Yeah. So the people were left basically in some kind of siege. 
with few exits out so you can go through the cornfields or stuff like that but what you ended up doing is just protecting your home so they protected the Vukovar with everything they got with everything they took from the you know army depots in the city but it wasn't much and no one could get through and give them arms to defend the city So they were under siege for three months and at 18th of November the the city fell down. So the army entered the city and conquered it. The irony in all that and in the politics or global politics is that Croats or our government negotiated with the United Nations to protect the people inside the city from the army. And United Nations being what they are, it's just they're being neutral. So in a in a situation when something is happening, they're like, well, I'm here and I'm I'm like recording what's happening, but I will do nothing because, you know, yeah, we are just neutral because if we fire, they will fire at us. We don't want to be, you know, in the middle. Eh, just so United Nations is just like, okay, we are here, we are protecting you, and that's it. And the largest shit that happened in Yugoslavia is when the UN always entered, you know, some kind of place which Serbs conquered or just like it fell in Serbs' hands, and UN was there like to mitigate the damage, but they just like stood and watched, you know, and Srebrenica was one of these places and Vukovar is the first of these places because when army came, they just took the wounded and sick and shot them somewhere, you know, outside the city. And the rest of the population in the city was taken in Serbia and tortured and, you know, did shit too. So it was it was bad because large parts of my family were still in the city and went through all that shit, you know. Yeah. My grandpa grandpa and my grandma and you know a lot of a lot of other members of my family. So my mother's cousin just died before then, you know, uh from the explosion of the of the grenade and so it's it's a messy stuff you know yeah and i don't really know all the stories about the war in Vukovar, but there are a lot of people who know a lot of shit and it's it's really not a nice nice thing when you know that your neighbor was like throwing grenades in the basements and you know trying to kill your neighbors or whatever yeah and then, after all that, you have to return and live with and those live again, people. as if uh, yeah, like happened. like we live, they had the amnesty and it's okay. If if I don't know if we, if Canada attacked America and it killed the citizens of one town, you know, you wouldn't retaliate, and like you wouldn't think of yourself in a righteous place to retaliate or. It, or to seek justice, at least, you know. But in terms of Croatia, no, Galbraith was ambassador, but uh, Richard Holbrook was the envoy to negotiate peace. So he said, no, you, you, won't, you won't proceed and take the Vukovar by force or by army. 
you will integrate it peacefully and you mustn't do anything you mustn't you mustn't convict any war criminals for the things they've done because you have to give them amnesty and that's it so because you didn't clean that mess up there's a lot of emotional baggage within the city you know so the people that went back and are living with their neighbors are living with with the knowledge of what they've done and they know what they've done to the people that came back so it's you know it's a pretty sick environment to live not a great uh, yeah. poisonous almost yeah yeah so it's pretty toxic so let, let, let's zoom on you too so you you escaped before the yeah. siege really fell yeah. around the city yeah. and you were displaced to split yeah which is went, farther south quite a bit farther south yeah yeah so what what happened to you and your your family was what you stayed at your cousins but not for yeah. too long yeah and then with in that situation i couldn't imagine everything that you've owned and your family's built your home that everything is now under siege somewhere up in the north where you can't go back yeah and you're on your own so what what did you do well, uh, we lived with my cousins in Split. So uh, what happened, my brother, my grandma and I came to our, my aunts in Split and we lived with them in their small apartment. So it was like my aunt, my, uh, my her husband, her two sons and my brother, my grandma and I. So it's like seven or eight people in a 50 square meters apartment yeah that's tiny so it's a bit you know stressful you know you you sit all day in the apartment you watch television and then you try to estimate where you are yeah was it weird was was there there's got to be an adjustment process somehow uh for me uh, i mean i'm saying it from like distance of 25 years I don't remember being like afraid or in some kind of anxiety at least because I knew my cousins so okay and it's a bit weird you know for me being there but I was there because I I was supposed to start school so my my time was like I would I would wake up go for a bus go to the school and then after school I would like roamed the, the city a bit and then went home, you know. And in the evening, I would just try to get out and maybe meet someone, meet some girls. I don't know. I yeah, was so like you a, did have a bit of a routine to yeah, fall back on. Yeah. Uh, the thing for the school is that I really... Well, you come as a misplaced person. So everyone is like watching you. What are you doing here? Because... Uh, no one knows about Vukovar or, you know, no one has seen misplaced person before. So it's it's a bit weird and you feel like a, a new guy in a classroom, but no one wants to talk to you. Which was strange because, I don't know, I expected that someone would just say, you know, what's your name and how you're doing, but not really. Basically, I was just friends with one guy and we just started developing some kind of friendship and that was was hard too with all the friends that you had back home yeah well 
the thing about the friends back home, you know, because of the political situation and uh, things being what they are, most of my friends that I went to school with were like in Belgrade or, you know, this went to live in uh, in Serbia because they were afraid, wink, wink, of the stuff that I will, will do to them, you know, because I'm a killer. Because so, you were Croatian. Yeah, like Serbia. because I just want to kill Serbs, basically, in their heads. So they they just moved away. And I really don't know where they are or what they did or what are they doing now. There was not that big of an emotional investment on my part for, you know, leaving my friends because they left me first. Gotcha. And I had like a five or five or six real friends and they were misplaced as I am. So in other places? Uh, in other sp- places, yeah. 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 So uh, you know, I just lost contact. It's like when you move to a different city, basically. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a big loss, but it's still, you know, a new beginning in a way. But at that time you're really not you're not aware that it is a new beginning. Because when you're a kid you just like you just live. I was trying to find my footing in split, but then again my my parents came bringing us winter clothes and everything and it was like uh, middle of the October and I think they just stayed because the situation in Vukovar just got really bad. I say, I'm surprised they went back at all. Yeah, they didn't went back, they just stayed because I think the the siege just closed and they couldn't go back. Because if they could go back, I guess they would go back for the family that was left there, but they couldn't. So we were left in split and because there were a lot more people there now, the tensions between uh, our hosts and us were like a bit high. And my parents decided to go to Primošten, which is a small city uh, near Šibenik. My father and my uncle uh, enrolled into Navy to, to help with the effort. And my brother, my mother and my aunt and my cousins, different cousins from Ukor, were staying with us in Primošten. It was like living in a small city, which is the size of a hotel. So basically, you know everyone. Yeah. And it's it's pretty nice. And it was all displaced people, so you yeah. had something in common. Yeah, you have something in common. And, you know, the old people are staying by the television set every day and watching news. And you as kids are trying to learn new card games and play these games because these games are played only in Dalmatia. And it's something new to do. And it's, you know, interesting. The problem is that it's, you know, October and November and the days are really short. And when the night comes, you cannot light your lights because it's the measures to fight the army. So you shouldn't give up the light and make yourself a target. So everything is pretty pitch black, dark. When and you were close enough where you could possibly be a target. Yeah, because Šibenik was on the southern part of, you know, the Serbian enclave that they said that it's theirs, like their region. So they made a separate state within the Croatia and the southern border was really close to Šibenik. So it was a pretty, pretty dark time. 
literally because it was yeah dark. because you can't even turn the lights on without being yeah a but, target but you and, know still i was like 15 or 16 how i don't know how old and i found some friends which were also displaced from the villages near shibanik and Zeller. So it was kind of interesting and fun times at the well, same time. Oh, you had something time. that you could really connect with too, uh, at yeah. least on that level, yeah. what was going on. So it was like, let's go out into the city, you know, it's, it's evening. It's so weird that there is this sense of normalcy amongst this chaos. So you're this 15-year-old kid that's yeah, hanging but, out with friends, yeah, having what, a good time. What, and, what will you do as a kid, you know? You cannot, you know... Is, yes. Yeah, it's it's so I don't know, it's so strange because you think from an outside perspective that it would be just chaos all the time. Of course, there's a war going on. Yeah. Your country is split in half. Your town was sieged. Yeah, with neighbors killing neighbors, and you're yeah. displaced. You're a refugee. Yeah. So it sounds on paper like it would be a really awful. Yeah, time. I know, but you know, it's it's <laughs> the human spirit. You know, it's. It's what you, you do. Carry on, yeah. Yeah, it's you know humans are like that. We deal with shit. It doesn't mean that we are not affected by this situation, but we are not aware of it, and we just go through it. And then, in like ten, fifteen years uh, in the future, you just start acting weird, and no one knows why. <laughs> you but start you start to have understand like, the impact a little the, bit. The, I guess. These emotions just come up, and the shit comes up, and you like you have to go to psychiatrist to to re- resolve all that that shit, or you just have to go through it yourself, you know, or you know you find a priest who will listen to you or whatever. Okay, so how did how did all of this end? So you're displaced and split. You yeah. the country split in half. Can can you give us this, at least from your perspective as a teenager? That's as in a high teenager. School. How how did it end? Yeah. How? Well, I spent the best summer of my life in Primorsten in '92 because I was in Primorsten from uh, winter '91 till the winter '92, and when you're a kid and there's a lots of kids beside you you just you know you do what kids do and it's summer and you're in a hotel in the Adriatic coast coast so what do you do you just swim or swim around all day and enjoy yourselves you you go on the hills you go hiking you just you just go around without any any care you know I don't know what my mother thought that I'm doing but <laughs> you know, I was like I'm happy that you you guys are safe. Yeah, I don't know, but ways. I was like, at one point we would go and climb this mountain top. When you when you think about it, it's a military target because anyone can be on atop that hill and shoot on the airplanes or I don't know, do stuff. You know, but no, we just went there, we climbed it. Well, you see, oh, it's a nice hill. But 20 kilometers north, there's fighting and tanks going on and like, it's shit, man. But you just ignore it by the sheer nature of being human, I guess. You just want to live and live a happy life. Yeah, I don't know. We, we We just lived in that hotel, you know, and we were surrounded by all the people that were having the 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 burden of having to take care of their families during that time and then 
month and a half after my father said okay we are moving to Zagreb because I'm opening a company and we will live there and yada 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 so we moved north to Zagreb and this was after things have settled down or well it was like in November 92 so after the siege has had finished and everyone was like okay uh yeah life sort of started to piece itself back together in the times when i was finishing high school serbs bombarded zagreb and it was the only time that zagreb was ever under some kind of threat because our president did something and well the army wanted to retaliate so they you know bombed the place where he stayed and the city at the same time so, a weird mix of normal life yeah, and yeah war you you just go in, in school and you're writing your final exam and then there's a you know alarm and you know you go shelter and stuff yeah no or? you just stop and wait in hope that we, a bomb doesn't hit we didn't even go to shelter you know it's like okay you just wait Hope that a bomb doesn't hit the school. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't that that big of a bombing, you know. It wasn't like, yeah, we are going, you know, above the Rotterdam and we are just bombing it, like, senseless. It was just, like, two airplanes that rocketed the, the, the place where the president was and threw some bombs, you know, in the process. You say that so nonchalantly, yeah, though. I mean, like, yeah, that's really but, kind of crazy. Yeah, I know, but but uh, if you if you think about Vukovar, that was like tore down with earth. You know, there was no any any house left which didn't receive one grenade. And then you look at the capital of Croatia, which received like well, not that many bombs co- in comparison. It was still still a horrible thing to to have happened, you know, and people were wounded, but it was just like one afternoon in Zagreb. Yeah, you know, so Zagreb really was not on the forefront of the war, you know, during all time because we fortunately stopped everything from happening like much further south or or east, and it was okay. The life was good and. You knew that it was a wartime, but still it it was kind of normal. It's interesting that a whole lot of this political situation and the propaganda and misinformation that's still happening today, you can see some of the same things happening across the world. And you saw firsthand how that can boil out of control and lead countries to war. Yeah. In this case, maybe... Yeah, war. Yeah. It was the Yugoslavia Federation going to war against itself and its You know, but, but the thing about all this stuff, okay, I, I witnessed it the first hand and I know how it develops and how it, it, it functions. But when you look at the similar things in different countries, you really cannot judge anything because you really don't know. You really cannot estimate the the situation or the story or whatever is happening anywhere. And what you do at at the end is just listening to your government and say, okay, it's this is the stuff which is happening, and then you go with it. Yeah. And all this happened before two thousands. 
So there was no internet. You know, there was no Facebook that I could make a tweet and send the video of dying man buying bread, you know, on the street or whatever. So there was no way to share the information with the world. And in that sense, you know, when you talk about, let's say, I don't know, Russia or and Ukraine, I can have my opinion what's happening, but I really don't know because I'm not informed of what what's happened there. Yeah. So it's a layered situation mm. on which you cannot do any kind of estimation because you don't have any kind of information. Yeah. Okay, and I, I think that's a good way to to wrap up the show. It's uh, thank you for sharing your story. I think it's wonderful. But well, I have one more question. Are we finished? For you. I have one more question. I think a lot of people struggle with this misinformation thing and information and okay. and trying to understand what's going on and what's happening in reality. And as someone that lived in a place where propaganda took root and started to and boiled into something that was violent. What what can people in today's world do, in your opinion, to combat propaganda and make sure that something like the Serbian and Croatian conflict doesn't happen again? I don't think what... I really don't know what they can do to prevent it. Well, the the main... The main way that people are exposed to propaganda is through media. Media is owned by corporations. Corporations are owned by some other corporations. And in case of, let's say, Croatia and Serbia, it was fortunate or unfortunate that those media corporations were owned by state. So they can do propaganda at will, you know, they could do what they wanted to do. So my my advice, well, you can you can avoid all that shit by not uh, not reading anything in media. Hard to do. Well, it's not that hard to do because you don't need to, you know, watch news or read newspapers or watch television news programs or do anything of that you, you but the problem with that is you will be the minority and all around you there will be people that are watching these things it's really hard to to ignore all that you know so in a way propaganda always finds a way to to empower the emotions in a population in a way that someone wants these emotions used. So fear is always present. And if it's not present, it's really easily woken up. Even if you are not exposed to any kind of information, people around you will be afraid and they will project that fear to you. What do you, what do you say about identifying propaganda? Would that help if you if you can look at something and even if you don't exactly know if it's propaganda or if it's media stream that you've listened to for many, many years, trying yeah. to maybe question it or not take it as absolute truth, anything as absolute truth help change your mind? Well, any kind of generalizations are basically propaganda. 
So if a media is telling you that all these people are bad and that all these people have certain kind of characteristics or that, you know, the France is wanting to do this or that. So it's basically someone lying to you because no one in totality is like that. So no nation, no people, no, no political system is in totality doing one thing, you know. So if someone is saying, yeah, the Croats are really bad and they puke, well, someone is lying to you because not all Croats are bad and puking. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so it's, it's really not possible. You know, there's a lack of objectivity in that, that sentence and it's, it's pretty much a lie. But it's really hard. It's a skewed vision on the on the information or the state of the yeah. world. So this guy stay vigilant. Yeah, stay vigilant. Well, you know, just just use some common sense because, you know, if someone says that your neighbor is like that all your neighbors are plotting to get you. Yeah. He's lying. People to he's you lying to, to you. Kill Come you. On. Yeah. Like everyone's taking from you everyone's. Yeah. It's usually not the case. Yeah, no. If you look around. Well, Ante, thanks for coming on the show. I think that's well, a very good way to wow. wrap it up. Wow, this was really interesting. Can we do another show tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> we'll crank it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, sir, for coming on the show. Well, thank you. We'll talk soon. Sure. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio. Thanks again, Ante Zivkovic, for coming on the show. It was good to see you again, my man, and I hope to see you a third time somewhere else in the world. Keep up to date on everything going on in the big sabbatical on Instagram at Nathan.Wonders and the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbacher at Gish, that's G-I-S-H, outofwater.com. Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milliken for all of the Oyster Jams. Check him out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's B-A-T-R-E-O-N at patreon.com forward slash Oyster World Radio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind the scenes plus some unique travel tips, so don't miss out on upping your game as an expert traveler. Once again, all of the links can be found in the show description. Thanks again for tuning in to Oyster World Radio. We'll be back in two weeks, but until then, this is Nathan Lieberman signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about all time that's gone by It's time for a change of my day-to-day scene